It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. In the eyes of Mr. Layton, the story fairly drips with atmosphere, especially with Dr. Watson's vivid descriptions of the foul alleyways and dark and dangerous smoke-filled opium dens of Limehouse. It is some of the best of dramatic radio's way with the listener's imagination. Basil Rathbone has always been underestimated as a fine character actor. Although he was more than happy to be a leading man in films and on the stage, It is such disguised characters as those he portrays in the eyes of Mr. Layton that gave people a chance to see his true range as an actor. It was Rathbone's intense desire to stretch his acting ability in other areas that made him decide to leave the series much to the dismay of Nigel Bruce. Nigel Bruce was extremely easygoing and a great fun-loving prankster quite beloved by all who knew him. He adapted easily to any role he played and especially loved the part of Dr. Watson, even though he himself knew that the good doctor was not at all like the person he portrayed in the Sherlock Holmes films or the radio series. It doesn't seem to matter, for Bruce's interpretation of Dr. Watson has been accepted and embraced by the public. It's interesting to note that Rathbone, by his very nature, was not unlike Sherlock Holmes. Rathbone's clipped tones and natural logic added to the picture of Holmes, and Bruce's casualness and his loyalty to Rathbone was much like Dr. Watson's attitude to Holmes. At the end of the 1945 radio season, Basil Rathbone was offered a very lucrative seven-year contract to continue as the great detective. He turned down the offer, and when Rathbone left the series, Bruce went on for only one more season as Dr. Watson to a Sherlock Holmes portrayed by Tom Conway. But it wasn't the same, and Bruce graciously bowed out of the series after that. At least thanks to the discovery of these long-lost radio shows, we can once again listen to Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce at the top of their acting ability portraying the world's most famous detective and his loyal companion. Now, if you will, join me as we listen to The Eyes of Mr. Layton. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting story about his good friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And I'd like to tell you something that maybe you already know. The fact that America's favorite wine is port wine. Did you know that? If you didn't, you'll know why port is the way-out-front favorite if you'll just sample some Petri California port. You just look at that Petri port and you know it's good. That wonderful, deep, rich red color. And Petri port is so clear. Just hold it to the light and you can sort of see right through the glass. But what you want to know really about a wine is how does it taste. And I'll tell you something. I've never yet been able to find the adjective that'll do Petri port justice. It's wonderful. 
Honest. You've just got to taste it for yourself and find out for yourself. You'll love that Petri port in the evening after dinner when you're sitting around listening to the radio. And it's perfect to serve your friends when they come over. You can show them that Petri label, too. In fact, you can show it proudly. Because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now for our weekly doctor's visit. Let's see... No, 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 Mr. Bartell, don't say let's see if he's expecting us. You know I always expect you this time on Monday evenings, my boy. So draw up your usual chair and settle down. Thanks, Doctor. Ah, oh, that's it. All alone this evening, Doctor? Where are the puppies? Out on the patio. They had a most unfortunate encounter with a dead seal on the beach this afternoon. In consequence, they're a little, uh, malodorous, shall we say. <laughs> In that case, Doctor, perhaps we'd better change the subject. So, suppose I ask you about tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. Well, my boy, as I told you last week, the story took place in the foul alleyways of Limehouse. It was there on a foggy December evening in 1890 that my story began. An old friend and patient of mine, Isa Whitney, had disappeared, and his distraught wife had come to me for help. Knowing the man to be the victim of the shocking habit of taking opium, I suspected that I might find him in one of the vile dens inhabited by the dregs of the waterfront. And so, Mr. Bartell, about five o'clock on that December evening, I began my search. After an hour of fruitless wanderings, I found myself in a vile alley called Upper Swandham Lane. I could hear the distant moans of the river boats as I walked, eyes alert, and hand on the revolver in my coat pocket. <laughs> Suddenly, I saw a steep flight of steps leading down to a black gap, like the mouth of a cave. I walked down them. The steps were worn hollow in the center by the ceaseless tread of stumbling feet. I reached the bottom. A door faced me, and above it, a flickering oil lamp winked warnings at me. I found the latch and lifted it. The door squeaked open protestingly. And I entered. There was a tinkle of Chinese wind bells as I walked towards a long, low room. A strange sight met my eyes. Through the gloom, thick and heavy with the brown opium smoke, I saw that the room was terraced with wooden berths, like the forecastle of an emigrant ship. Out of the shadows, there glimmered little red circles of light, now bright, now faint, as a burning poison waxed or waned in the metal pipes. Bodies lay in strange, fantastic poses, bowed shoulders, bent knees, heads thrown back. The attendant came up to me with a pipe and beckoned me to an empty berth. I haven't come here to smoke your filthy drug. I'm looking for a friend, Mr. Isa Whitney. No, Mr. Whitney here. Oh, I'm going to search the place. You must not disturb the place. I'm carrying a revolver, so you'd better not argue with me, my good man. Out of the way. I searched that filthy den, but found no trace of my missing friend. As I was leaving in despair, a long shaking hand reached out and plucked at my sleeve. I turned, and there sprawled in a berth was the wreckage of a man. His gaunt face yellow and twitching his clothes filthy and ragged, and the pupil of his eyes like pinpoints. He spoke to me in a thin,
quavering voice. Mr. Reverend Saint, get me out of here. Now, look here, my man. Don't say you won't help me, Governor. Ain't you got no heart? Please help me, Governor. Take me out of here. Strike me pink. I'm going to bomb me, I tell you. Oh, what must you expect if you indulge in this filthy habit? Take me out of here, Governor. I'll go straight this time. Cross me out, I will. Oh, very well. Come along with me. I suppose it's my duty to help you. Ah, oh, bless you, Governor. Here you are. Here, now, give me your arm. You cannot take him away. He owe me money. That's a bleeding lie. I paid him when I come in, I did. He cannot go with you, mister. You remember what I said about my revolver, you blackguard? If I have any more trouble with you, I'll, I'll fetch the police. Come along. He owe me money. He owe me money. Infernal scoundrel owe me money. You tell me him money. all oh, proper, Governor. Out of you didn't. Now, look here, my good man. I'll give you a square meal, some advice, and some medical attention. But the rest Never mind I... the advice, Watson, but I'll take you up on that square meal. Holmes! Yes, I'm very glad to see you, old fellow. What brought you to that filthy den of iniquity? Oh, gracious me, I went to find a friend. And I, an enemy. <laughs> Your disguise is wonderful. It completely fooled me. But I'm afraid the proprietor was beginning to penetrate it. That's why I staged the little rescue scene. Had I been recognized, my life wouldn't have been worth an hour's purchase. Well, how long had you been there? Why were you there? Come on, Holmes, tell me all about it. With pleasure, old chap. But first, let's find a, a chop house. I want that square meal you promised me. Excellent meal, Watson. Yes, you're surprisingly good for such a shoddy-looking place. Well, Holmes, now perhaps you'll tell me what you were doing in that opium den. I've already told you my story. I'm shadowing a most unusual criminal. A man who haunts the opium dens. Yet I know that he himself is not an addict. Well, I don't see anything very criminal about that. He might be looking for a thrill, or perhaps he's one of those writer fellows or something. But this man pretends to be an addict. I watched him closely. He fakes his smoking. And grease paint has enabled him to simulate the characteristic pallor of a drug victim. He even affects the typical mannerism of nose-scratching. But it's his eyes that give him away. Well, the pupils are wide open, I suppose. Exactly, old fellow. Whereas, if he were really addicted to the drug, they would, as you know, be contracted. I myself always treat my eyes with a special, well, a special kind of drop on the occasion when, uh, well, I have to enter these dens. Well, why does a man haunt an opium den in order not to smoke? That, my dear Watson, is the problem that I intend to solve. Well, perhaps the fellow's a policeman or a private detective like yourself, Holmes. I've already checked on those possibilities. No, Watson, I believe there is only one answer. I believe the man is planning a murder. A murder? It's a tempting setting for a murder. Your victim is an addict, drugged and helpless. Your witnesses and are in an equal state of befuddlement. The proprietor is anxious to cover up the crime because of the police. But you... Yes, sir. Now, the question is, who is the intended victim? That, my dear Watson, is why I've been shadowing this man. Unfortunately, he was not present in the den we just left, but I intend to continue my search. Holmes, uh, can, can I help you? My, my wife's away, you know. You know, it's a, it's a long time since we were on a case together. I should be delighted, my dear chap. I've missed you sadly during the past few months. And I, you, Holmes... What's the next move? Back to Baker Street, old fellow. My disguise is wearing thin and I must contrive a new one. New disguise, eh? Well, which one shall it be, Watson? Well, how about the old flower seller? <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> well, it's 
pretty prismatic. <laughs> oh, no, 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 my dear fellow, no. Hardly appropriate for an opium <laughs> dinner. In any case, the clothes are so wretchedly uncomfortable. Well, how about the music hall singer? Oh, that chap, yes. Oh, I don't want to be beside the seaside. Oh, I don't want to be beside the sea. I don't want to stroll along the prom, prom, prom where the brass band plays tiddly um. Oh, confound it. Who can that be? <laughs> you weren't expecting anyone, were you? No. So this is just like the old days. The doorbell ringing, Mrs. Hudson toddling off and bringing up some poor devil in trouble and... You say that rather wistfully, old fellow. Don't tell me that you repent of marriage. No, of course not, Holmes. Mary's a perfect darling and I couldn't be happier. Just the same. <laughs> it is rather fun to be back here again. Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson? Uh, it's a gentleman, sir. He gave me this card. Says he's very anxious to see you. Hmm. Wayne J. Layton. President, Leighton Corporation, Chicago, United States. Ask him to come up, will you, Mrs. Hudson? Aye, sir. Well, it's quite the cold times to see you back here, Dr. Hudson. just what I was saying myself, Mrs. Hudson. Hmm. Mr. Leighton has scribbled a message on the back of this card. If a thousand pounds for a week's work interests you, you'll see me. A thousand pounds? Big fish, Watson. Very big fish. Uh, this way, sir. Uh, thank you. Oh. How do you do? Mr. Leighton? I guess you're Sherlock Holmes. You guessed correctly, sir. Excuse me. Oh, Mrs. Hudson, just a moment, Mrs. Hudson. Aye, Mr. Holmes. Sit down, won't you, Mr. Leighton? My name's Watson, Dr. Watson. I'm Sherlock Holmes' colleague. Uh, yes, I've, I've heard about you, too. Uh, like a cigar, Doctor? It's a good one. Sent me back three shillings. Oh, three shillings? Oh, thank you. That's very nice. Just put one. Oh, no, I see. You yourself. Splendid. And now, Mr. Leighton, may I ask what brings you here? I'll talk fast and to the point. I'm a businessman. I like to do things in a business way. I have a chance to control the guano deposits of the Republic of San Pedro. Their minister will be in London tomorrow, and if it weren't for one thing, I know that I could swing the deal and get the concession. And what is that one thing, Mr. Leighton? The deal is secrecy. I thought no one knew about it, but when I got here, I found out that my biggest business rival has gotten wind of what's going on. He's an Englishman. I've never met him, but uh, he's right here in London. Now, I'm not going to tell you his name. Not until you give me your word that you'll work for me. Just what you wish me to do, Mr. Layton. Get this rival of mine and keep him out of circulation for a week. I don't care how you do it, and I won't ask. In a week's time, I'll give you the other half of this 500 pounds I brought with me. Oh, good, Scott. What kind of uh, Watson, give you... Mr. Layton his hat and gloves. That's it. Thanks, old fellow. Goodbye, sir. Uh, what are you doing, throwing me out? I can't think where you uh, gathered the impression that I indulged in kidnapping. Once again... Goodbye, sir. And here, sir, you can take back your cigar. Well, if you don't want some easy money, I'll soon find someone else that does. This is the last you'll see of me, Mr. Holmes. Life is full of little consolations. Hmm. Some people seem to think that money can... Watson, the game's afoot. Mr. Layton is the man I've been seeking. The man who pretends to be an opium smoker. Why, well, in you let him get away. Here, I'll go after him. No, 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 no. don't worry. I've already arranged for that. Oh, how? When I left the room just now to talk to Mrs. Hudson, I was intending to tell her to summon some of my band of street urchins, you know, the Baker Street Irregulars, when she informed me that half a dozen of them were in the kitchen at this very moment, partaking of one of her incomparable steak and kidney pies. The rest should be obvious. You left instructions for one of them to shadow Mr. Layton when he left her? Elementary, my dear Watson. Oh, don't tell me that Layton back again. No, I think not. I should say that at the moment he's just about to walk out of the front door. No, I think we shall have another visitor. And judging by the commotion, the incoming and the outgoing visitors know each other and are not on the best of terms. Well, it sounds to me as if we're having a fight. Here comes Mrs. Hudson to tell us about it. Come in, come in. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you've got another visitor. Uh, so I gathered. Mrs. Hudson, 
You gave my instructions to one of the boys? I did that, sir. Young Wiggins was going to follow the gentleman. Well, Mrs. Hudson, what was all that commotion about downstairs just now? Oh, it was the two gentlemen shouting at each other. Him that was leaving and the one that was waiting on the doorstep. And who is our new visitor, Mrs. Hudson? Here's his card, sir. Oh, thank you. Linton Chumley, 9 Belgrave Square. Well, ask him to come up, will you, Mrs. Hudson? Very well, Mr. Holmes. Oh, one thing more. Yes, sir. Uh, please instruct another of the Baker Street Irregulars to follow this Linton Chumley when he leaves here and report to me. All right, sir. Hmm. You're taking no chances, Holmes, eh? You're having this fellow shadowed too. Leighton is a potential murderer. Of that I'm convinced. This Mr. Chumley might possibly be his intended victim. While we are talking to him, Watson, old fellow, I want you to be sure to look at the condition of his eyes. Oh, I certainly will. Come in. Oh, good evening, Mr. Chumley. Are you Mr. Sherlock Holmes? I am. This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? Uh, that was Wayne Layton that was just left here, uh, wasn't it? Uh, won't you sit down, sir? Uh, thank you. I don't want to sit down. All right, you needn't answer my question, but I know it was Layton. I have never met him, but I've seen his picture in the newspapers. Oh, very well, then, sir. It was Wayne Layton. Ah, I know why he came to you. He's, he's trying to have me put out of the way while he closes that deal on the San Pedro and Guana concession. Now, look here, Holmes. You've got to be on my side. Whatever fee he offered you to dispose of me, I'll double it if you'll take care of him for a few days. Oh, dear me, this is becoming monotonous. Watson? The hat and gloves? Thank you, old chap. That's right. Good night, Mr. Chumley. Uh, look here, Holmes. I'll, I'll treble his fee. I'll quadruple it. My dear Mr. Chumley, I have accepted no fee from Mr. Layton. I don't propose to accept one from you. Your hat and gloves, sir? Uh, that man is out to kill me, Holmes. Well, if you won't help me, I'll go to the police. That's an excellent idea, Mr. Chumley. Again, good night. Did you notice his eyes, Watson? Yes, the pupils were contracted. He's obviously an opium addict. And also a potential corpse. What do we do now? Wait for the irregulars to report? No, you'll return home for your medical bag. I have a feeling that you'll need it before the night is out. Then come back here. If I've gone before you return, I'll send one of the irregulars to bring you to wherever I may be. Wait until you receive a message from me. On your way, old chap. There's work ahead of us. <laughs> Wiggins, you're certain that this is the place that Mr. Holmes told you to bring me to? Oh, yes, Dr. Watson. The corner of Swanham Line and Brixel Street, Mr. Holmes said. Yeah, well, this is the spot, all right. I don't see any sign of him. Hello? This old woman coming towards us. <laughs> so that's the disguise he chose. Oh, spare me a few coppers, will you, mister? <laughs> My feet are something awful, and I ain't had a bite of food all day. <laughs> no, you don't, Holmes. You... Can't fool me this time. As a matter of fact, your makeup isn't very convincing. You hardly look like a woman, and nobody's nose could be quite as red as that. Don't look like a woman, don't I? <laughs> My nose is too red, is it? I'll take that. Uh, no, steady, look at funny, but poor old woman has plighted me. Oh, I'm sorry, like madam. I, I didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> well, matey, she gave you a bit of work for all right, didn't she? Ah, books your ears. No mistake about it. You mind your own business. <laughs> and anyhow, why aren't you aboard your ship at this time of night? Because I'm not a sailor, Watson. It's Mr. Holmes. Great heavens, Holmes. I wish you, you wouldn't confuse me like this. I'd never have recognized you. My dear Watson, when you're able to recognize me, it will indeed be the beginning of the end. When your eagle eye penetrates my disguise, I shall realize that my retirement is imminent. But enough of this. See that house opposite? You mean the ramshackle place with the broken tiled roof? Yes, I gave the irregulars instructions to let me know at once. 
If our two quarries ever enter the same house at the one time, they're inside there now. I'm going in after them. Be careful, Holmes. I'd better come along with you. Can't I come too, Mr. Holmes? No, no, certainly not. Both keep watch outside. If I need any help, I'll smash one of the windows, and then you can come in after me. Wait here for me. I don't expect I'll be very long. I'll be here, Holmes. Don't worry about me. Just take good care of yourself. It's one o'clock, Doctor. Yes, I know, Wiggins. He's been in there half an hour. I'm beginning to get worried. Start going off, No, no, sir. no, Wiggins. You know Mr. Holmes. When he gives orders, he likes some... <laughs> There's a signal for help. Keep watching the house, Wiggins. I'll be out in five minutes. Go for the police. Right, sir, sir. All right, Holmes, all right. I'm coming. You have searched my house from basement to attic. Why do you not give up? I tell you again, there has been no one here tonight. But my friend came in here half an hour ago. I saw him, and before that, two other men are known to have come in here. Uh, if that is so, then where are they? Three men cannot vanish. That's just the point, you scoundrel. Out of the way. I'm going to search this hovel again. I'm not leaving here until I find Mr. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second. And if you don't mind, I'll take that second to say just one word to the ladies. And that word is muscatel. Petri California muscatel. I want you women to know about it because Petri muscatel is one wine that practically every woman likes. Maybe because it's such a beautiful color, like pale gold. But I guess really because Petri Muscatel brings you the wonderful flavor of luscious, sun-ripened Muscat grapes. And that's a flavor. Try Petri Muscatel after dinner, or any time as a change from Petri Port. Remember, if it's a Petri wine, you know it's a good wine. And now back to Dr. Watson and tonight's story, The Eyes of Mr. Layton. Well, what happened next, Doctor? When you searched the house for the second time, did you find any trace of Sherlock Holmes or the two rival businessmen? No, Mr. Bartell, I'm afraid I didn't. What did you do? I told Wiggins to report the matter to the nearest police station and then rattle back to Baker Street in a handsome cab as fast as I could. When I arrived at the old familiar doorstep, I wrenched at the bell in a frenzy of anxiety. Finally, the door opened. And there stood Mrs. Hudson. Dr. Watson, what is it, sir? Why, you're as white as a ghost. Mr. Holmes, is he here? I, sir, came in half an hour ago. He was dressed as a sailor and was half carrying some drunken friend of his. Oh, thank heavens he's safe. I'll go up. All right, sir. I want to know, Jack. There you are. Holmes, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you. Who's that, uh, that lying on the sofa? Well, up with your back, Watson. Though I'm afraid the poor devil's done for. Great Scott, it's Wayne Layton, the American fella. With a knife wound between his ribs. See what you can do for him, will you? Right. This is extraordinary, Holmes. You said that Layton was a potential murderer. And now he's a victim himself. The biter bit, eh, old chap? Yes, he's still breathing, but he, but he hasn't a chance. I'll try him with an injection of strychnine. Holmes, how did you get his body out of the house? I, I searched the place from top to bottom. I... 
I found no trace of any of you. When I went in, I found the stabbing had already taken place. The proprietor then bribed me, or rather the broken-down cell he took me for, to smuggle the body out through the secret stairway leading to the wards at the back of the house. Well, there's no trace of Chumley there? No, he must have left before me by the same exit. Well, then you smashed the window and bolted. Yes, I knew that I could count on you to hold the fort while I was getting the body away. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's uh, try to say something, Watson. I, yes, the injection's uh, beginning to take effect. Uh, yes, Mr. Layton? What are you trying to say? Uh, tell us who stabbed you, uh, sir. Shh, shh, shh. Lips are moving. Uh, my, uh, my, Mandalay. He's dead, Holmes. Yes, but he gave us the clue to the murderer's identity. How? In the word he mumbled just before he died. Well, sounded to me as if he said Mandalay. Precisely, old fellow. Never did a corpse give us a clearer instruction as to our next and final move. And that is? Back to Limehouse, Watson. Back to Limehouse. <laughs> Here we are. This must be the place. What's this? Another opium den? Yes, I knew that since Chumley refrained from smoking earlier on in the night, in order to keep his faculties alert for murder, that an enormous reaction would set in. He'd have to find a den at once, and beyond question, a different one from that in which the murder was committed. But how do you know that he's inside here? Well, just before you returned to Baker Street tonight, I had a message from one of my irregulars. He tracked him here after he escaped from the scene of the stabbing. That was a couple of hours ago. He might have slipped away again. No, Watson, tonight he came to drown his senses with a wretched drug. He'll be here. Come on. Uh, that second injection of caffeine should bring him round. He's heavily drugged, but I think it'll work. Surprising what a five-pound note will do, isn't it? Yes, the proprietor let us bring Chumley into his private room and he... Shh, shh, shh. <coughs> he he's coming <coughs> too. <coughs> who, who, who are you? Who, what, what do you want? You remember me, sir? I'm Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yes, yes, I, I remember you. You're in serious trouble, Mr. Chumley, very serious trouble. Uh, trouble... What, what trouble? Wayne Layton didn't die. Oh. He's badly wounded, but he's going to live. He's at Baker Street now. He wants to go to the police and give evidence. You, you've got to get me out of this, Holmes. I'll, I'll pay you anything. Uh, Ten thousand, twenty thousand. Why did you stab Layton? He, he was in my way. I wanted the San Pedro concession. I, I meant to kill him, but we can fix it up now, can't we, Holmes? We can fix it up yes, now? Yes, we can fix it beautifully, sir. As neat a murder confession as ever I listened to, Holmes. Exactly. Come along, Mr. Chumley. I think some night air will be good for you. We'll take you for a nice drive to Scotland Yard. some kippers, gentlemen. You've both been up all night, and I'm sure you can do it. Ah, it's very thoughtful of you, Mrs. Hudson. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, what is Mrs. Watson going to say when she finds you've been out all night? Oh, don't you worry about that, Mrs. Hudson. She's very understanding. <laughs> it's lucky for you that she is. Well, I'll go and leave you to your breakfast. Holmes. Yes, dear fellow? There's only one thing that puzzles me about this case. Oh, what's that? When Leighton was dying, he muttered the word Mandalay. How did that give you the key to the murderer's identity? Oh, 
The dead American had never met Mr. Chumley, you remember, except when they bumped into each other in our hallway. Yes, he told us that he recognized him from the newspaper photographs. And being an American, he had no reason to know that the name Chumley is in no way pronounced the way it is spelt. Oh, I never thought of that. Chumley. That name spelt C-H-O-L, Chow, M-O-N, Mon, D-E-D-E-L-E-Y, Chow Mondeley. Mandalay. Precisely, old fellow. What you thought to be Mandalay was really Charles Mandalay, the name of the murderer. Amazing case. You did a remarkable job, Holmes. <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to be confoundedly sleepy. Why not sleep, old chap? Your old uh, room's all ready for you. Are you going to take a nap? Oh, dear me, no. Hmm? I have much too busy a day ahead of me. Let me look at my engagement book. Uh, Baxter Square Murder. Mm-hmm. I put the police on the track. The Duchess of uh, Ferrers. I've got her material. The princess who was about to run away from home. Good gracious me, let her run. The Pope's cameos. Ah, yes, yes. His holiness must not be kept waiting. Uh, can, uh, can I help you again, Holmes? Uh, Mary doesn't return <laughs> until tomorrow. Well, I thought you were sleepy, old fellow. Sleepy rubbish. I never felt more wide awake in my life. <laughs> Now, another mystery on Mystery Radio XXX. And now, here is the fat man in Murder Makes a Statue. A picnic isn't exactly my idea of the way to eat a good dinner especially after being in the infantry and remembering a few picnics I'd had in the snow in Belgium. But you know women, once they make up their mind to do something, it's going to happen or else. And Kathy had made up her mind that we were going on a picnic. When she came into the office that morning, she was all excited about the spring and the trees and the cute little lunch she'd packed. Oh, in the spring, wonderful, Brad. Doesn't it just do something to you? Uh, makes me sleepy. Oh, you, you're about as romantic as a laundry list. <laughs> I lose my appetite in the spring, too. Say, these sandwiches look good. Hmm. But they're, uh, sort of small, aren't they? Oh, Brad, it's only 9.15. Don't eat them now. Okay, honey, okay. Look, I've got an idea. What? Why don't we just have our picnic here? It's nice and quiet and... There are chairs and the desk. Oh, no, you don't. We're going, and we're going right now. Huh? Oh, Mr. Runyon. You are Mr. Runyon, aren't you? That's right, beautiful, but I'm taking the day off. It's spring, and I'm getting back to nature. I'm going on a picnic. Oh, no. Oh, yes. But this is important, Mr. Runyon. I'm sorry, honey, but it's no use. I'm taking the day off. I'm going on a picnic. But you've got to help me. I'm in trouble. Look, look, I, I got money, a lot of money. I'll make it worth your while. Just listen to me. Here, here, take this first. $200. But I can't... Please take it. I'll give you more later, but first, just listen to me. For $200, I'd listen to anything. I know it. Now, don't get excited, Kathy. I'm just going to hear what she has to say. Oh, Brad. Okay, start talking. What's bothering you? It's, it's confidential. Do you mind? She means you, Kathy. I know what she means. Do you mind waiting out in the hall just a couple of minutes? Certainly I mind. 
And it better not be more than a couple of minutes either. All right. Make it fast. What's your name? My name is... is uh, oh. Uh, What's the matter? Uh, I'm getting dizzy. I, hey, hey, wait. I feel so faint. Kathy! Kathy, come in here, quick! Well, that walk fast. Yeah, too fast. Can we go? What? Oh, Captain. Okay. She fainted. Here, give me a handle her. Maybe I ought to get some water. Her pulse seems normal. Give her on a minute. Hand me a pocketbook. Hmm? Oh, here. What are you going to do with it? Look inside and see if I can find out who she is. Maybe we're all to call a doctor, Brad. I don't think we'll need one. What an odd hairdo she has. Yeah. She looks like Pia Plaster. Is there anything in her bag to identify it? No, nothing here but lipstick, powder, money, coat. Wait a minute, here's something that might... What is it? Wedding ring. It's got some engraving inside, but I can't make it out. Give me that magnifying glass there on the desk. Yes. Can you read it? Uh-huh. It says, to Laura, June 16, 1940. She's coming soon. Where am I? What? Ah, take it easy. You're okay. You're faint of that, though. Uh, let me help you up. Oh. There, that's better. Now, just sit here in this chair. Who, who are you? Where am I? I'm Brad Runyon, the detective you came to see just before you fainted. The detective? But I don't understand. I can't see... Who's that girl? Wait a minute. What's the matter with you? Kathy was right here when you came in. I don't remember coming in here. Why did you want a detective? I, I don't know. I don't get this. What's your name? Where do you live? I don't know. I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Do you understand? Shut up, hysterics. Shut up. What's happened? You probably had a shock of some sort. When you fainted, your memory went blank. You mean amnesia? Yeah. Maybe we can snap it back. Listen... Does the name Laura mean anything to you? Laura? Laura? No. No, it doesn't. Look at this wedding ring. Do you recognize it? No. Where did it come from? It was in your pocketbook. <gasps> oh, what's happened to me? Why can't I remember? Why can't I Take it easy now. <laughs> Look, Kathy, I think we'll have to postpone the picnic for a while. You've got to take care of this girl until we find out who she is. Of course. She was in some sort of trouble, so the quicker the better. I want you to take her over to your apartment and keep her there until I come. Where are you going? I'm going to the marriage license bureau and see if they had a record of anyone called Laura getting married on June 16, 1940. It's no use. It's no use. I just... I can't remember anything at all. Well, you mustn't get yourself so upset. Frank should be back in a minute. But it's so horrible. It's probably only temporary. I have a feeling that there... That there's something... Something important that I have to do, but I... I just can't remember. It's like a dream at night. Just try and be quiet. Brad, that's you? Yes, baby. What'd you find out? Did you trace it? Do you know who I am? Yes, I think so. I checked through the files and found that a marriage license was issued to a Laura Hayes and Jim Margot on June 16, 1940. Does that mean anything to you? No. 
No, it doesn't mean a thing. Why don't you look up those names in the phone book? I did. Jim Margot is a commercial photographer with a studio down in Greenwich Village. If I could only remember what my name is. It must be Laura. I'm not so sure. We'll call her Maggie until we find out whether or not she's Mrs. Jim Margot. Maggie? Why Maggie? That's the first name that popped into my head. I wonder. <laughs> Jealous, Kathy. Come on, Maggie. You and I are going visiting. Where are you taking me? We're going to call on your husband. I'm sorry, but Mr. Margot is very busy right now. He can't see anyone. But this is important. Listen, Irene, how long is Margot going to keep me waiting on that other set with his flimsy wrap on? I'm freezing to death in there. Take it easy, honey. Only has one more shot to make. Hey, that's cute. They're making wraps out of feathers these days. Yeah, cute, isn't it? Cute, but not warm. Oh, please, please don't touch me with... What's the matter, Maggie? Taste the feathers. I, I can't stand them. Please, please, I'm allergic to feathers. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize they were touching you. Maggie, come over there. I'm going in. Hey, wait a minute. You can't go in there. That's all right, sister. This is important. Okay, now hold it, girl. That's right. That's... No, no, wait a minute. I'll throw your head back farther, Lois. There, that's it. Okay, now hold it. Hold it. Oh, that's fine. Okay, take a break. Jim Margot. Yeah, but I'm very busy. Now, come back later, will you? I don't think you're too busy for this. What are you talking about? So, who are you, anyway? My name is Runyon. Brad Runyon. The fat man? The detective? That's right. Your wife has had an accident. Laura, in an accident? What, what happened? Don't get excited. She's not really hurt. She's lost the memory. But I don't understand. She was all right. When did you see her last? Why, this morning, of course, when I left home. Hey, where is she now? She's sitting in your waiting room. She's had a bad shock or a bad fright. I want you to go out there now and talk to her just as if nothing were wrong. Sure. Sure, I understand. Good. Come on. There she is over there. Well, hello, Laura. What's the matter? That's not Laura. I've never seen this girl before in my life. Didn't he know Maggie at all? He never saw her before. If only I could remember. If I could find the ring. It was his wife's ring, all right, but he had no idea how it got in Maggie's bag. I don't understand it. Maggie, are you sure you didn't recognize him? I've never seen him as far as I can remember. Oh, Mr. Runyon, please help me. You are going to help me, aren't you? Uh-huh. Why don't we take it to the police, Brad? They could probably trace her. I've got a better idea. What? You wanted to see the countryside in the spring. Let's go for a ride. What? Are you out of your mind? We can't do that now. Sure we can. Jim Marco's got a place in the country. But what do you want to see him again for? I want to return his wife's wedding ring. Oh, this is it. Anything look familiar, Maggie? No, nothing. 
lonely-looking place, isn't it? Yeah. Don't open the door, Brad. What's the dog? He's a big boy. He's a great Dane. Hello there, big boy. Yeah, what's the matter? What are you sure at? Don't, Brad. Don't look at the bike. No, he won't. We big fellows know how to get along together. Besides, I'm bigger than he. Please be careful. Reach in that compartment there and give me that box of cookies. Here we are. Thanks, Maggie. Watch out, Brad. Now, wait a minute. I'm not afraid of you. Here. Here, have one of these cookies. <laughs> okay. Okay, take the whole box. He didn't want to bite anybody. Come on. He looked awful mean. They won't bite unless you're afraid of them. The door's not closed tight. Yeah. Must be somebody around. Anybody home? Come on, let's go in. Brad, you just can't go into somebody's house. I'm already in. Come on, Maggie. Oh, what are you going to do? Just to look around and wait a while. Maybe somebody will show up. I don't like this, Brad. Maybe Maggie will see something here in the house that'll jolt her memory. Now take a look in that studio over there, Kathy. Maggie and I look in here. All right. Yeah, this looks like the living room. Take a good look around, Maggie. Isn't there something, anything that clicks? No. No, it's all strange to me. Dad! What is it? Come here, quick. What's the matter? What's wrong? Well, <laughs> She was killed between 9.30 and 10.30 this morning. You sure of that? He's positive. What about her husband, Jim Margo? I had him picked up as soon as I got back to town. I brought him in here to headquarters for questioning. He was pretty broken up about his wife's death. You still got him? No, we had to let him go. Didn't really have a thing on him, and he came up with a pretty good alibi. What was the alibi? His receptionist swore he came into the studio this morning before 9.30. She showed us the appointment book they keep. They had appointments in it for 9.30, 10, 10.30 this morning. She could be lying. Yeah. So could you, Brad. 
What's that supposed to mean, Mac? I think you're holding something back. For instance... For instance, what about this client of yours, that Maggie, the girl who's lost her memory? You saw her, you questioned her. Did you find out who she is? No, there wasn't any record of her fingerprints. Then you know as much about her as I do. Well, what about that picture of her that was torn up and thrown in the fireplace? Why don't you ask Jim Margot? I did. He says he doesn't know anything about it at all. Never saw the picture of the girl before. What do you think I'm holding out on you? Why did the girl come to see you? I don't know. She fainted before she could tell me. Where is she now, Brad? You boys couldn't identify her and let her go. I sent her up to Kathy's apartment. She's there now. Well, I'm sorry, Brad, but i got to talk to that client of yours right away. It's important. Why? Because there was only one set of fingerprints on the murder knife, and they belonged to Maggie. Honey, no answer. You'd better not be kidding me, Runyon. Mac, I was never more serious in my life. Can't figure this out. It's a lock. It looks like nobody's. Kathy! Kathy! Hey, what's happened to her? Kathy! Kathy, it's me, Brad! She hurt? I don't know. See if Maggie's in the other room. Kathy! Kathy! Uh, wake uh, up, honey, wake up! Oh, uh, 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 oh. Maggie's gone, Ryan. I want the truth. Where is she? I don't know. What's wrong with Kathy? Looks like somebody slipped her some knockout drops. Runyon, if you've been kidding me, you're going to be sorry. I've played along with you lots of times, and you run pretty close to the law, but you've never tried to protect a murderer. Stop being a cop, Mac. I'm going to the kitchen and see if there's some coffee there. We've got to wake Kathy up. I told you. Don't be a jerk, Mac. Go get the coffee. Oh, someday you're going to go too far. Come on, baby. We're going to take a walk. Mm-hmm. Let me go. I'm, oh. I'm sorry, honey, but it's oh. going to be walking. Oh, no, don't let him sleep. Please. Walk, baby, walk. What I'm happened? I'm sleepy. Where's Maggie? I don't know. I'm sleepy. Please don't. You've got to wake up, Kathy. Now try, honey, try. It's Brad. What happened? Hmm? Brad. Oh, hello, Brad. Here's your coffee. Good. Here, honey, drink this. I don't want it. I want to go. Uh-uh. Not yet, baby. Here. That's better. <sighs> now what happened? What happened? Well, I don't know. I guess I must have fallen asleep. Maggie's gone. Gone? Oh, she can't be. She was here. Was anybody else up here tonight? No, no, just Maggie and me. We sat and talked a while, and she said she wanted a drink, so I fixed each of us a drink. Then, then I must have fallen asleep. She drugged you, then. Maggie? It looks like it, sweetheart. But why? I don't understand. Because she's a murderer, and she knew the game was nearly up. This doesn't look so good for you, Runyon. I'm going to send out a general alarm to bring her in. Don't be a sap, Mac. She couldn't have murdered Laura Margot. Why not? Because Maggie was with me in my office when the murder was committed. But, Kathy, it's nearly midnight. 
You ought to stay home and go to bed. No, it's no use, Brad. I'm going with you, Miss Bad. But, honey, I've got work to do, and you need I'm rest. I'm a bit sleepy now, honestly. Look, I'm fine. What's the matter with you, anyway? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm nervous or something. Maybe it was the dragger. Well, I just don't want to be alone. That's silly. Now, you run along it's back. It's silly. I'm afraid. Afraid? Yes, the murderer is still loose. I'm not going back there to my apartment alone. Okay, sweetheart. We'll get ready for a long ride. Where are you going? Back to Jim Margot's house in the country. I've got some unfinished business up there. Do you think Margot's here? I doubt it. If he is, he's probably asleep. You're not just going to walk in. Sure, if the door's open. I hope you know what you're doing. I do. Not so good. What? The door's locked. There might be a window then. Don't. I don't like this, Brad. I didn't ask you to come along, baby. Uh, here's a window. I see it. What's wrong? I'm not sure. This window is wide open. Maybe that means it's somebody else. That's what I was thinking. I'll keep as quiet as possible. You're not going in if somebody else is in there. Certainly. If you'd rather wait out here. Oh, no, no. Okay, come on, then. Quiet. The door to the hall is right over there. Hold on to me and be as quiet as possible. I don't think there's anybody in the house. What are you looking for out here? Nothing in particular. I want to take another look around Marco's studio. Where he found his wife's body. What do you think you'll find in there? After the open window, I'm not sure. Maybe another body. No! Quiet. See if there's a light switch by the door. Yes, here's one. Turn it on. Look at this room. Somebody's been here. Yeah. Looks like a tornado hit it. What? Yeah. Get that big gun. Something must... Come on, honey, quick. Somebody's driving away, Brad. What's the matter, Kathy? I tripped over something. Brad, Brad, I think it's a body. Give me that flashlight. Who is it? It's the dog. Somebody shot him. What does it all mean, Brad? It means that we've got to get back to Jim Margo's studio in town as fast as we can. The murderer was just in this house looking for something, but it wasn't there. Well, how do you know it wasn't there? Because I've got it in my pocket. There's a light on in Jim Margo's studio. Somebody's in there. I want you to do just as I tell you. Stay outside here in the hall. If you hear anybody coming, let me know quick. I'm going inside. You think Margot is in danger? A lot more than he thinks. Oh, good. Come in, Arlene. I'm anybody. Who's Arlene, Margot? Batman. Startled me. Who's Arlene? Why, it's a, it's a friend of mine. Working sort of late, aren't you? 
I had some things to finish up tonight. Why the suitcase? Going someplace? No, no, I'm uh, going to stay in town a while. After what happened this morning, I... Uh, well, I naturally don't feel like going back home. Somebody broke into your home tonight, Margot. Broke into my home? But, but why? I don't understand. Whoever it was killed your dog. Champ did? No. They must have attacked them when they tried to get in. Uh-huh. Or maybe they did it so we'd think that was what happened. What are you talking about? Maybe the dog really knew who it was and wouldn't have bothered him. So he killed the dog to throw me off. Yeah, I see what you mean. You're pretty smart, fat man. Thanks. But why would anybody break into my house? They were looking for something. What? A little statue. But they didn't find it because I've got it in my pocket. Here it is. Does it look familiar to you, Margo? Uh, no, no, I've, I've never seen it. Do you know who it's a statue of? No, of course not. That's funny because I recognize it. It's the girl I brought to see you this morning. The girl I called Maggie, who is suffering from amnesia. What are you driving at, Runyon? Your memory isn't so good either. What do you mean? It's no good, Margot. I found this statue in your sculpting studio, and it's got your name on the base. You Don't see... make a move, Runyon. <laughs> Pretty fast on the draw for a photographer. Yeah, and a good shot, too. This gun is loaded, and I'll kill you if you try to stop me. You still haven't told me who Arlene is, Margot. Arlene and Maggie are the same girl, aren't they? I don't know what you're talking about. Sure you do. You killed your wife so you could run away with Arlene, didn't you? She slipped up, though. She remembered she was allergic to feathers. You've got it all figured out, haven't you? Yeah. Well, that's too bad, because now I'll have to kill you. But first, I want that statue. Now give it to me. It's a nice piece of work, Margot. I recognize Maggie by the Cleopatra hairdo. Pass it over here. Hey, what? what's going on out there? Here's the statue, Margot. Oh, oh my arm, you... Not I dropped. You get yours, fat man. Watch the birdie, Margot. Oh, what a punch, Brad. Yeah, I guess he'll sleep a while. Where's Maggie? Over there on the floor. She's dreaming, too. What did you do to her? Why, I, I gave her what you call that old judo one, too. Oh, it's wonderful, Brad. It really works. Hey, what's the idea of a party at 3 o'clock in the morning, Kathy? <laughs> hey, it's not a party, Mac. It's a picnic. You don't have picnics indoors. You go out in the country. You pack a lunch. We've got the lunch all packed. See it in the basket. But I thought we were going to eat here. We are. Brad likes his picnics in comfort. Sure, sure. Nice chairs, a table, no bugs. Oh, it's a beautiful night. How can you tell with that beef stick over your eyes? Huh? Oh, you ought to see the other girl. Well, nobody will be seeing her for a long time, or Margot either. 
Why did she fake the amnesia, Brad, and come to your office? She did it for an airtight alibi. She and Margot had planned it that way. He was to do the killing and then point everything toward Maggie, or rather, Arlene. That was her real name. But why? I don't get it. Well, it looked for sure as if she'd done it. Fingerprints on the knife, the torn photograph. But she couldn't have done it because she was in my office at the time of the murder. It was supposed to be a real stumper for us, and it would have been, too. If Margot hadn't forgotten about the statue, and she hadn't pulled a boner about the feather. Oh, listen, Brad, is that thunder? Mac, well, this is one picnic that won't be rained out. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.